Welcome to The Living Room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Well, hello and welcome to The Living Room. We are excited to dive into this conversation today that uh, is both personal to me and to all of us, but is also a divine subject. As we think about who we are, I'll just pose the question, who are you? And how does God see you? And how can you powerfully live your life defined by him instead of the way the world would love to define you? In a world full of confusion and what I like to call identity theft, we want to talk about how to remember our relationship with God and to truly live our life defined by him. So first to start out, we're going to have Jody tell us a quick story. I want to share um, and introduce you to a, a special friend of mine. Um, her name is Shari Stewart Young, and there's something that makes her very special um, she's not only really vibrant and outgoing and um, somebody that when you're with her, she just makes you feel good about yourself. But what makes her a little different is that she has what she refers to as limb difference. She only has one hand. Mm. And what Shari has taught me in my friendship with her over these last several years is that she really doesn't define herself by what the world might say, oh, you can or you can't do. So Shari plays the violin and she has a prosthetic um, arm that helps her do that. But there was a time when people laughed and said, can't play a violin. Um, You don't have part of your arm. That's kind of necessary. You know, you can't play the piano. Well, she defied the odds. Um, She now speaks on this very topic and um, on the Facebook page um, the other day, I noticed that she posted a business card and she talked about it with me beforehand because she was so excited that I had mentioned her name to a couple of people and I just said, oh my gosh, you know, she just has a message that just captivates and especially young girls, but it's the women too. You come away crying and you come away looking at your body in a whole different light. You look at your talents and your gifts. Um, but on this, um, on this card, it says um, an inspirational, a true beauty, inspirational speaker. And that she chose the words true beauty. And when you see her, you don't even notice Connie's met her. You don't, you don't even all. notice I didn't know the whole at all until yeah. the first time I met her. And all of a sudden you go, oh, there's something different. But um, this business card has a dragonfly on it. And um, dragonflies to me are kind of those... Um, those bugs, what do you, better word than a bug, but they are (laughs) an insect, you know, in nature that I think they're beautiful. Some people would look at them and think, oh, it's just a dragonfly, you know, but this to, to her represents the thought that anything can be beautiful. Um, I think that she shares in what she talked to me about, um, we can love ourselves no matter what differences were never meant to make us less valuable or less compatible to do great things. We were given our differences to make us beautiful, unique, strong, and more understanding of those around us. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, she went speaking somewhere, and she got to meet another woman that had just one 
hand. And the picture that I will share with you is just beautiful. The two of them came together and it's like, hey, we get each other. So I use this as an example to just say, you know, we have to be so careful about how we define ourselves and how we let society as a whole. A People magazine came to my house. I don't know how. Um, I did not order it, but it came to my house and it upset me as I looked at what the world says. This is beauty. This is what popularity is. This is what makes you valuable. And look what the Kardashians are doing. And I still don't know why they're famous. And I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) What do they do other than just draw attention to themselves? But I love the fact that I don't have to look at a People magazine to see true beauty. I can look at those women around me and see their strengths see what makes them different. And that to me is what I get inspired by. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much more to be defined by. I just think that my friend Shari is one of those women that I say, you know what, thank you for being you. Thank you for being different and for giving me um, a chance to look at myself and see maybe what my weaknesses are and turning them into strengths. Absolutely. And I think that's so great. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate you sharing that with us today. We are also joined by Heather, who has stepped out for a minute with a baby. And we are excusing Kate, who had a baby of her own as well that we're celebrating. But um, I want to hear from some of the rest of you. We've got um, Christy here, Connie here, and Jana as well. Um, I want to talk about some other women, other women that come up into you in your life that really, truly live um, defined by divinity. How would you describe her? And how have those interactions with this woman helped you in your life? I have a friend. Her name is Adrienne. And um, she is a mentor to me and a dear friend. And I feel like my friend Adrienne taught me how to be a woman. I moved into her neighborhood when I was just barely married. I didn't have any kids. And I really didn't know what it was to be a woman. And she came along and she taught me how to be a woman. She taught me everything from recipes to how to be a gracious host, to how to interact kindly with people, to how to do my church responsibilities and the responsibilities that you have when you go from girl to woman. Um, But the the qualities uh, that I find in her that proved to me that she's defined by divinity, um, she listens to God above all else, um, even when it's unpopular. Um, I She was a little bit later in life uh, when she had her last baby, and by had, I mean adopted, mm-hmm. um, because she has all of her children are adopted from all different places, and it's amazing. Uh, but she did not want to have more kids. She, she felt done, and... I remember her telling me the story where she just knew that that was what she was supposed to do. And it was very clear to her. And the next day she got a call from a birth mother who was actually the birth mother of one of her other children and said, I want you to adopt this baby I'm going to have. And she just does. She just follows the intuition that is put into her soul by God. And that is how I know 
that she's defined by divinity. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that. And I just got to say, I'm loving these cooing sounds from Heather's little I'm baby sorry. Girl. I'm trying they're to so, like, no, it's no, so no, great. I'm loving it. It's a, it and gets she's loud. She's sucking on her little <laughs> bottle and it's like, oh, this is so tender. Um, mine actually is more than one. It is a group of women that we call ourselves the BYU babes because nobody else would. But we went to Brigham Young University and we were all older when we went and I, I just met with these women and we connected and we're kind of different personalities and we have stayed friends for almost 30 years and we get together once a year for sure where one of them lives out of state and we get together. The other ones I get together. I just went to breakfast yesterday with the others. But anyway, the thing that I love about these women is that, like I said, we have differences. We're blonde, brunette. We have someone's more extroverted, someone's more introverted. But what I love about these women is that they have these divine characteristics and it has been, they've been honed through a lifetime of experience and choice and wisdom and trial and error and their example. They just, they're the people that I go to when I'm struggling with a decision or when I'm worried about something, I'll pray, of course. And I, I love talking with my, my husband and my children. And and of course the people that are immediately close to me, but those are my go-to women that we, we sit and talk for hours. And when we're talking, they're bringing in talks they've listened to or books they've read or hard experiences and they pull no punches. They, they share when they've been prideful or when they've been hurt or when they've had to be vulnerable and it's been difficult. And what I love about them is that they are real. No matter what situation we've been in, whether we're having children or not, you know, sometimes you have friendships and it can start getting competitive or it can start, you you kind of ebb and flow because it's too close. You're in each other's territory, whatever that might be. But I've loved learning from their examples when they take life full on and they say, whether it's my husband, my children, my, my, um, and the other part of what I'm doing, whatever it is they're doing, that they, they focus on God and they say, what is it he would have me do? How can I be an example in this situation? How can I be better right now than I, than I was yesterday? How can I do this differently? And that inspires me when when we're talking, I always come away with just like this. I always come away with takeaways of how I can do things better and how maybe it's something that somebody else has said, but the way they say it somehow touches and softens my heart that I know they're coming from a place of experience. I know they know the depths. So when they share something with me, I respect what they're saying. I respect that it's come from a place that they have earned that knowledge and understanding and that life wisdom. And so for me, it's all of these traits that we've kind of listed out here. They are steadfast. They are movable. They are charitable. They are honest. They are genuine. I love that when I'm with them, I leave and I want to be a better person. I like the word you used in the beginning because you did say real Mm. and there is such an important aspect to that to just know you can trust when you're in a group of women who will be real about the hard times, the good times and whatever, because they're trustworthy. Yes. And so that makes that group for you, as you've talked about and shared with me, how important they are to you. And by the way, you're in your BYU uh, Cougar <laughs> shirt. How <laughs> ironic is that? Go Cougs. I feel like yeah. singing the fights. In honor of your BYU you're babes. So <laughs> and I will share just one quick last thing. What We asked each other one time, what is it that has made us stay friends for 30 years, even though we've been in all these different situations? And one thing I had not realized but that has been crucial is that we do not gossip. We'll share life experiences. We often don't share names, but we'll share the principle and what we've learned, but we do not, 
gossip. We don't bash on people. We don't boo-hoo-hoo-boo. What can we learn from this? And that is an unusual thing to find in a group of women. Mm. It's like you guys, but it's unusual to find in a group of women. So anyway, that was something that I forgot to mention. Go ahead. Jenna. Can I do two? Yeah. <laughs> okay. First one that came to mind is my sister, Holly. And I know she's one of our listeners, and I hope I she hears Holly. this. I love Holly. She is just one of the, she has the most ebullient personality. She's always happy. And honestly, she has the hardest life. I would not trade her places. They have nothing. And she has this ability to spin straw into gold. And mm. sometimes I look at her life and I think, I don't know how she gets up and does it every day. And, you know, six kids like Heather and just so she sees her role as a mother, as the be-all, end-all. She knows who she is. And she she does her mothering so beautifully. And her children are happy and they're bright. And, again, it's gold from straw. But I, I'm just, I just look up to her so much. I think she's amazing. And the other one is my friend Michelle. And she is, I think, um, one of those people who you always feel better in their presence she makes everyone feel so special and so important and i think what makes her defined by deity is because she loves in the way god loves Mm. and she looks for the good in other people and then she shouts it from the rooftops and she's just so generous with her praise and with her kindness and i asked her one time um she was doing something that would make me nervous in a social situation. And she said, oh, I learned a long time ago, everybody just wants to be loved. Mm, Isn't that that. great? And and you realize, oh, yeah, if you treat people like that and you just realize, I love you, I can show that I love you, then it loosens up a tough situation. So anyway, I think she's amazing. That's so true. Thank you for sharing. Heather? Well, I'm going to have to go with my own mom. Mm. I, there's so many women I could put in here, but when I really think about the woman in my life, my entire life, who has shown me what it's like to live, um, subscribing to a divine power, it would be my mom. Especially now that our kids are older, I catch myself all the time. They'll say to me, mom, how do you know how to do that? Mm. Or, you know, I can get the baby to stop crying or I can, I don't know, cut chicken or whatever it might be. (laughs) How do you know how to do that? How do you know how to do that? And the answer every time they ask me is my mom taught me. And it's, it's more than that. It's the way she taught me. I have a mother who, in my entire 38 years of life, has never once raised her voice. Never once. Wow. Okay, never I'm once. feeling bad right now. <laughs> oh she is gosh. patient. She is long-suffering. She doesn't care what other people think because she knows what she is doing is what the Lord wants her to do. And, and it governs all her choices. Uh, I can... I can remember learning what it what I needed to do as a wife from her as I watched her be a wife. You know, I remember moving my senior year in high school and I didn't believe in the move yet, even though she was very supportive of my dad and it was the right thing for our family. And I remember her teaching me how you support a husband and the steps she'd taken to know it was the right choice for us and how they'd work together to do that. And I, I rely on those things. She truly lives subscribing to our heavenly father to a god and she follows what she knows she needs to do in order to be constantly in good standing with him and as a result my life has been blessed immensely because of those things so i can't think of a better example in my life than than my own mom thank you for sharing that i think that i would say the same thing about 
my mom, though there were some times she raised her voice, sorry, mom. <laughs> uh, she, it was always to me because I was a hard teenager. Um, what? Just, you were a hard teenager? I imagine. I just like to push some buttons. I can't see that. <laughs> I smidge rebellious side. Nothing like bad, but. I really can't see I that. To, well, I was independent. And so well, was she. And so sure. there were things that I want. Anyway, that's a separate subject for another day. But, <laughs> another show. But my mother, it, I, I put my mother in that same category of someone who, um, she, my mother taught me um, how to how to be a mom and how to be a woman and how to serve, and she taught me that the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ um, is the good news of the world. And I think as a mother now, that has brought me some of the best comfort because I just think to myself, bunker, 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 sometimes, <laughs> and that I want to run away. But she taught me that God is always there and that He's with us wherever we are. And He taught me that um, she taught me that. It's not so much about who, about what we look like, but that we always are emanating the spirit of our Heavenly Father. And so I appreciated that, that beauty to her was defined in different ways. And she taught that to us as kids. And I appreciate that too. Um, this, this conversation also comes and stems from something that I have been studying a lot this year in terms of how God thinks of us and how he defines us. And I was reminded of a story that happened to me when I was in the ninth grade. And it was my very first day of seminary. And I was grateful that I got to take a, I got to take a class in school about the gospel, which um, happens. And some kids have to take it early in the morning, but I got to take it in the middle of the day. And so it's just religious study of the scriptures and the gospel. And I was really excited about it. On the very first day, he gave us each name cards. And the name cards, um, he told us not to put um, our names on them, but to put something that we really enjoyed doing. And in junior high, I was really into plays and acting. And I put acting on mine and then feeling the criticism that was unspoken, but wondering if I was going to get made fun of for being in plays and people calling me a thespian and, and all of those things. <laughs> I was a thespian. I know. I was, and I, I loved am it. a thespian. Yes, it's so great. But um, like anticipating that even before anyone ever saw my oh, no yeah. my name tag, I crossed it off and I put skiing, which is incredibly ironic because I had only been skiing once in my entire life. <laughs> and, but I liked it and I thought that it was going to be really great. And, and so it's cool. Yeah, it was yeah, cool. Yeah, it's be yeah. I lived yeah. in Utah. People, cool people skied. And so I thought that that was going to be the best thing ever. And so he... He had us, we didn't do much with them. We didn't, I thought we were going to wear them around and people were going to look at them, but he just had us put them on and he talked to, to us about the ways that we're defined and the things that we like. And he talked to us about um, making sure that the things that we pick, we don't pick because of other people. And he said, and some of you, I know, crossed yours off and put something else. And he said, I hope you did that for you and not for other people. And in that instant, um, I had the spirit talk to me about how important it was to be who I was and to be okay with that. And not to be embarrassed by what other people think. And it, in a way, it was a spiritual self-confidence that I got from making a wrong choice in that instant and having to having to fix it and make it right. And I kept that in my scriptures, and I still have it um, as a, as a reminder to define myself the way that God would have me to be defined and to be and to be true to what I like and to what I am, because that truly is is being part of being defined by divinity. Um, I searched the scriptures to find the words that God uses when defining his daughters, not just his sons, but his specifically when he's talking to women. And I found lots and lots of, of words that he uses. He calls us steadfast and immovable. He calls us kind, loving, charitable, virtuous, giving, believing, faithful, happy, patient, long-suffering, full of hope, wise, elect, 
courageous, and chosen. And I love all of those words because he doesn't define us in the words that way that the world does. Um, so the world would like to call us pretty or smart or kind and funny. And some of those are even wonderful and nice compliments as well. But the Lord would choose to call us in different terms. And knowing these words, I, the, the words they are aren't just the things that we like to do, but they're traits and things that we can emulate. And I love that the Bible also talks about in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, that we need to be partakers of divine nature. And I'm going to read the whole verse because I think it's so beautiful. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And I love that um, in, if, even in the olden days, escaping the corruption of the world was something that was important. But I love the principle and the philosophy that comes behind being partakers of the divine nature because the word partaker stood out to me. It's a very physical term. We can partake of the sacrament or we partake of a snack off of an appetizer tray. We partake of a glass of water that is offered to us. And the scripture implies that we really can reach out and pick out our divine nature and hold it. And it's almost... Uh, it almost makes it a noun. And so what struck out to me about this scripture is that our charge to take it, that we have to claim our divine nature, that it's there. We don't have to create it or find it. It already exists. It's right in front of us. But we need to act upon that divine nature and choose every day to, to live in that and to own that. God reminds us that we need to do the work to receive the insights from him. And it's also present tense to be partakers, implying that it's something that we need to constantly be doing. Um, and it says that it doesn't just say you can partake once, but to always be partakers. So my question to you, ladies, is how can we be better partakers of our divine nature? And how can we live defined by God and uh, have that and remember that in that relationship every day? Christy? I just love that word partakers as well mm -hmm. because it insinuates agency. Mm -hmm. And too often I think we act as if life is happening to us and we're victims of life and this is happening but when we are partakers of divine nature, it's in totally in our power, like you were saying. But that also means that there's choice implied. Yes. And so it, I, I just loved, loved that word. Yeah. You know, and I love this is so funny. Um, I recently heard a man speak and he was talking. Um, there's a big conference that is in the church that I belong to, which is the LDS church. And it's called General Conference. And he was talking about this thing, Ponderize. And I love it. It's reading a scripture and it's the mix of pondering it and memorizing it. And so I've been trying to do a ponderized scripture and I can't believe how well this just fits because it just hit me. But the one that I've been sharing with my kids this week that we were just doing the other day is Ephesians 6, 6. And it says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but doing the will of God from the heart. And I think what helps me with that is staying focused on God. I love that story of Peter who is just was such a great prototype for all of us to see how the Lord works with us and how he, he was walking on water. He was doing something truly miraculous, which I feel we all do every single day. I feel like if we stop and think about all that we do and deal with, it is a miracle. And that the only time that he didn't, he wasn't successful is when he took his eyes off the Savior and he worried, he feared that he was, the wind was boisterous and how wonderful when we can do the will of God from the heart, we focus on him and not on being men pleasers or eye service, but just staying focused on him. And so I think for me, it's scripture. It's, it's those reminders of during the day, I'm like, Oh wait, is that thought bringing me towards God or is it taking me away? Is that something that 
it's making me look horizontal or is it making me look vertical? And that's a help. Yeah. I'll share something that um, has to do with a beautiful experience that I had. Our family visited Hawaii in June for the very first time, and we went to a place called the Beoding uh, Buddhist Temple. And I'm going to show the ladies in the room. In this beautiful pond, there was a black swan, mm -hmm. and it was a single black swan. And what I take away from this is so many times in life, we might feel like we're the black swan that among all those beautiful white swans were the black one. And yet in my heart, I know that being the black swan is beauty. And I, if you can see how beautiful the neck on this swan is and the gracefulness, if you could have seen, I don't know if it was female or male swimming, this entire pond, you know, with all these beautiful trees. And I don't know what the trees are called in Hawaii. I just know they're different than any other trees I've ever seen. But this place was a sacred place. Um, to the Buddhists and it was sacred to me in that it was set apart from the world. It was set apart from other places we'd been, the beach and everything. But the most significant thing that day that I took away from me was this photo where I just sat and watched the, the beauty and the gracefulness of this creature who is a little different than maybe the other swans and yet it is distinct. And so what I want to leave with is the thought that when we are free from the restraints of what the world tells us is beauty, our relationship with divinity deepens. Mm -hmm. So I will be happy being a black swan as long as my beauty really true, truly reflects God's beauty. Well, that's Thank so, you so beautiful, Jody. I'm just so thankful to be a black swan rather than a black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be the black swan. <laughs> Jana, Heather? Sure. You know, when I have this best friend, we've been best friends since sixth grade, and mm. we're still just super close. And I know that the reason I was drawn to her as an 11 or 12-year-old girl was this idea that she had this quiet inner strength. And I think when I was little, I didn't really understand where that came from. But as we've grown older, I've just realized that she has always been defined by divinity. She has always known exactly who she was. And it has given her this extraordinary confidence, but just this inner peace that just moves yes. with her. And there's a stillness about her, even though she's always very active. And I, I just always have admired that so much. And I think little by little, I've, I've learned to seek that and have that in myself. But she's the one that I always think about when I think about this because she's known from the time she was so young and taken so much strength from that. Thank you know, you. I know for me to put this into practice, the first thing I have to do is I have to stop comparing myself to other people. Absolutely. Oh, I was say and that. as soon as I can finally let that go and realize I am not any of you or my neighbors or even, I remember the day I realized I wasn't my mom and I was like, oh man. <laughs> I've been trying so hard to be like as good as she, I'm, I will never be, you know, like that. I have to do things my own way. And, you know, I, I'm not on top of the laundry the same way she might have been or the neighbor has that figured out. Maybe that's my weakness where it's someone else's strength. And I know for me, if I really want to see who I am, I have to stop comparing myself mm -hmm. to others mm -hmm. because that comparison puts up a wall and it inhibits me from actually seeing who I am. Once I do that, then I recognize it's two parts for me. I then have to take a step back and trust myself. And I think that's sometimes hard to do. But if we can stop comparing, we can see who we are. And then I can say, oh, wait a second. 
I know how to do this, or I know how to make this right for my family, or I know how to handle this in a classroom or on a stage, or, you know, I know what I need to say. I know what I need to do. And I trust that I'm making decisions that are in line with my heavenly father's plan per se. And so when I do that, I then can actually see who I am. God brings out our strengths and I can see those strengths when I start to recognize that, that I get promptings and I can trust those promptings. And so I have to let that go. Once I do, it's amazing how we can start to see our own abilities. Mm-hmm. I, I think it. that's so, yes. so true. And I think that um, it's not only the way that the world will want to see us, but the adversary is strong. And if the adversary can get us to second guess who we are and what we want to be, then he can win in this world because we will give in to the discouragement that comes. And one of the things that I just want to end with is just the thought that just like so many things that we talk about on the show, like choose to be amused and choose, choose to be happy and um, choose to give yourself some living room. We also have to choose to be defined in a different way that's higher and that's different than what is being beat on us every single day. And when we open Facebook and we're seeing our friends traveling to lots of different places and we're wondering, why isn't that me? Or we're seeing our friends doing this and that. And so that even in the social media realm, we can get caught up on that. We really have to every day be partakers of that and to choose to define ourselves the way that God would so that we can be the kind of people that he wants us to be. And I know that this is just the beginning for each of us as a lifelong journey for us to remember where we came from and where we're going. And we are works in progress. But the truth is, is that we are his and he can help us navigate this world that we live in, especially by choosing to be defined in his way. And hopefully you got some ideas and insights about how he truly sees you and that you'll take some time over the next few weeks ahead to think of those words and to treasure them and to become close to him through the way that he defines you. You can find this segment and others on fromthelivingroom.com, on iTunes, as well as more in-depth discussion on our sites. And remember to download our cards and share this with friends if you find that you know someone who could use this pick pick me up but thank you so much for joining us and until next time we hope that you'll give yourself and your spirit some living room thanks for coming to the living room we hope you've enjoyed listening laughing and learning something new join us for our next show and in the meantime give yourself and those you love some living room